Hey everybody, it's your boy, Eduardo Jackson, CEO, founder, creator of the Cinema Draft Game, back here once again with fam of the pod, Jay Devlin. Say what's, say what's up, Jay Devlin. Yo, what's up, Eduardo? Good to be back. This is going to be the weirdest recap pod of all time. I'm currently currently bedridden with nerve damage in my leg and a very, oh. a very badly sprained ankle from an accident, um, taking the trash out So to all the guys out there. Uh, don't do chores ever. <laughs> not good for you. Get you in house. Get you in house. <laughs> so I'm a little stir crazy, and uh, I'm just ready to get fucking weird. So oh, let's oh, do it. Uh oh. All right, Let, let's let's do it. Then. Let's get weird. And and this week, uh, it w- it was a weird week. We had some issues with scoring, uh, which we acknowledge are bad, but uh, it turned out okay at the end. And I guess I can say it because. I won call she the week. What can I say? Yay. Fixed. <laughs> <laughs> Ring. No. But what was cool though was that was that this was this was a week where the strategy was a bit wide open. We had people like myself on some call sheets trying to entirely fade, you know, the you know, the, the major domo in, in the house, which was gonna be Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two. That we had a mix of people using fools. Guardians of the Galaxy. It we were fools because as it turned out, on my call sheet of the week, I had a mix and we'll get to that later. But first, as always, we will concentrate on our winners in on our top five in the feature presentation. And this week, and it was a true come from behind effort because if you looked at the weekend estimates, I mean none of those none of the Bahu Bali's had, had counted yet. I actually didn't count at all. I had to go hand scoring, which the is always suspects. Yes. At the top. Except, although uh, breaking through is Cornell Westside, we'll, 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 we'll come back to him later because he actually took down another an, another contest. So, and you, you know how I, you know how I read his name every time I see it, right? I've talked yeah. about it on the pod before. Cornell Westside. There it is. There it is. The always the, how I read his name. The the the, 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 the froey gap tooth egghead himself. Love that dude. I, I picture him. I picture him dressing like Kyle Lowry dressed for Game Four of the Raptors. <laughs> <laughs> with like with a with a like a, a turtleneck with a <laughs> on the outside of the turtleneck, a nice like you know junior fro, a look little like sport you know, coat, <laughs> yes. looking super shafty. Cordell West Side, yes, our working black writer who I believe will be back next week, not this week, but next for next week's pod. Possibly, oh, no, I'm sorry, no, we're, he's coming back. Yeah, next week's pod. Sorry, I got my days mixed up. Sixteenth, we're gonna hopefully have a tripod again with he and G. Nice. Stay tuned for that. But yes, take a look at Gamble Twenty Four X Seven, Gamble Twenty Four Sevens call sheet, and he went with what. Tend, tend to be a bit of conventional wisdom, which is get you a headliner from Guardians of the Galaxy, Zoe Saldana, she's the cheapest, uh, and then get a headliner stack from Bahubali to the conclusion, and then figure it all out. And in his figuring it out, he had Jenny Slade, a headliner from Gifted. He had one, two, three, three non-headliners, three non-headliners and one headliner from Battle of Memories, because at this point he's just punting salary. And then he had a headliner stack from Their Finest. That was good for 321.85 points, edging out, I believe, was there our boy Ring Balls? Yes, it was Ring Balls 22, edging him out by about two points. What do you think of this call sheet, J.W.? Uh, I mean, it was, it was the way I was going. Uh, if my call sheet, for some reason, did not get uh, entered, because I went back in to change it. So everybody out there, another reminder, if you go back in to change your call sheet, make sure you re-enter it, because it completely gets taken out of the tournament the minute you go back in to change it. Um, that being said, what is it called? Occam's Razor? Is that hmm. the, the term yes. of like, sometimes the simplest uh, An- answer, answer is the most obvious one, yeah. Is the correct answer. Mm-hmm. That's how I felt this week. It was one Guardians of the Galaxy, 
and two of the Indian movie, and then go from there. Keep yeah, this simple. is keep. Yeah, you're right. Keep it simple, and and we. I mean, and for what it's worth, I mean, we'll get to my call sheet in a second. We got close, so, you know. So it was it was it was, it was uh, myself and Michael Volante out there on an island <laughs> trying to make this sucker work. Actually, I think Excellent also. Um, he uh, who's also been cashing recently. I think Excellent tried that strategy as well, and just a little bit short. If, uh, honestly, all we needed was like if we had another million. From Bahu Bali, and it lost like seven screens, but yet it dropped seventy percent of the box office, which is just bananas. I hey, mean, you know what I'm saying about that, buddy? If my aunt had a dick, she'd be my uncle. Right? <laughs> yes, that's right. Uh, so ring balls. He also went along this path, and was, and he was just short in. He went with this is not what I expected, which you know, as as another three F, which is our foreign focused film. You never know what to expect with some of these films. I mean, it was I believe it was distributed by the WellGo USA guys, and sometimes they come out the box, you know, they really pop. Sometimes they just fizzle. This was more along the lines of a fizzle. I mean, at one point nine six points headliners. I mean, this I don't even think what did it make? It actually only made, uh, actually only made point. Two million is not expected. Yeah, so point. Yeah, hundred forty thousand. Only made hundred forty thousand. So, you know, when, when I mean, it's it was a good it was a good gamble. It was a good risk. Sometimes they can get you, you know, four, you know, four hundred, five hundred thousand. So he, he gambled, didn't pay off in this one. He had a a gifted headliner stack, which actually, you know, for for pretty a well. pretty yeah, did pretty well for a pretty shallow limited release category this week. Um, so yeah, so this is a pretty good close but no cigar, but you know, enjoy that twenty seven fifty ring balls. Um, Cornell Westside, and this one is a point of of personal pride. He's you know a working black writer, one of our first you know guests on the hour long in its infancy, He's a recurring guest, part of the tripod, you know, a working black writer in Hollywood. Probably maybe he might have some extra time in his hands. Other than about to go on strike, I don't know. But he came through, damn near took the top spot. Super proud of you, Kevin Garnett. Good job. It was the headliner stack of Bahu Bali, the conclusion. He had Guardians of the Galaxy, and then what he might have slipped him up was. Just mess with unforgettable. Unforgettable was just was was his was probably cost him points right there. Anything, anything almost in that price range probably would have sufficed. Uh, Beauty yeah, of the Beast. Was a, uh, there was a platform five thousand uh, dollar Asian movie, I believe. Yeah, they outperformed that. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It was at headliner status. So yeah, so it was. I mean, anything. I mean, unforgettable is so un, is so forgettable. It's not even the talent pool this week, which is fine. But uh, that was probably his only slip up. Otherwise, I mean, he had some some okay bet. Well, going in style, he's it's basically just you know a, a salary play there. He's probably running out of salary because he paid up a little bit to get Beauty and the Beast and then you know Baha Bali and Get Out actually didn't. I mean, it's that's another movie that right now is probably a little too wide for its own good. It's in limited, limited release, but it's just, you know, I mean, it only did another maybe hundred something thousand. Oh, no, sorry, another uh, million or something. So. What movie has been on uh, the call sheets longest in the history of this game? I feel like Get Out has been on here for five years. Man, <laughs> dude, man yeah, as far as the talent pool goes, Get Out is pretty long. Ten weeks. I think Hidden Figures was the longest. That one, I think, went 13 weeks or something. Like We just okay. could not get rid of that. And, and maybe I think I got rid of it one week, and I was like, fuck, I got to put it back on because it did, like, you know, Buffalo numbers for its release type. So, so yeah, so that was – so this is, a, this is a pretty solid call. She just forget about Unforgettable, and that's okay because we've already forgotten. Hey, hey. Uh, and then, see, fourth place was The Roan. Group Man, the chat. Yes, group chat extraordinaire. Our our billions cohort. 
we're with you, my man. Axe Cap for life. Uh, and his is a little bit all over the place, but he had he had the Troika, the the Guardians of the Galaxy, and Bahu Bali headliner stacks. And then uh, and and then yeah, he's all over the place. Buster's Mal Hart, Boo. Uh, this is not what I expected. Mm. Slight, which continues to underperform, but I still want to see that movie. I still want to see it. It's from the guys that brought us uh, Get Out. Now you've seen Get Out, right? No, I have not. I don't <gasps> like. Uh, I'm not into like the whole creepy, horror-y genre, I, man. It's just not my steez. I'm know? not a horror guy at all either. I've seen this movie twice. It is fun because it's or it's. I mean, when he says like a social thriller, it is. It's not. It's not. It's not. Ble- it's not. Um, torture porn like Saw okay. and stuff like that. You'd enjoy it. I, I promise you. Take take. Uh, I have a lot of don't. free time on my hands, Ed. So uh, I'm sure I will. I'm currently watching three seasons of the show Bosch. So <laughs> once, I'm, for you? <laughs> once I'm done with uh, with Bosch, I will uh, I will probably move on to something else. Maybe a little Get Out for a little levity. There you go. There you go. Yeah, and and big props to Amazon. I mean, they seem to be pushing all their stuff hard right now. So very you know, kudos to them. Gifted is in there. Buster's yeah. So so basically, he kind of bet on some <clears throat> underperformers right here with Slight and. And uh, Gifted still was solid, though, and Buster's Malhart. That, I mean, God, how bad was that? I think it made, like, was it 20,000? Something, like, super low. I, I, I mean, I had to give it the minimum score of 1 and 1.40 for its headliner. So, yeah. So, you know, but, you know, it's a very solid top five finish. You know, 1875. No, sorry, 1250, you know. Don't spend all at once. Uh, and then Smart Ash rounding out our top five. Welcome back to the winner's circle, Smart Ash. One of my favorite new players. Ring Ball's significant other. Correct. A family, what was it? A couple that drafts together lasts forever. All I right. think this was, uh, so my call sheet that I didn't resubmit, uh-huh. I think was almost identical to this. It was very close to this. So you were, you were doubling down on this is not what I expected, huh? I just was going super cheap and trying to, to get as much... Uh, I wanted some gifted, and I wanted some Indians, and I wanted some aliens, and then whatever, <laughs> whatever was left over, I didn't care. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Anyway, basically, what Smart Ash did is she had the Troika, she had Jenny Slate headliner from Gifted, and then she had a was that a sixer, a six pack of this is not what I expected, and I guess lived up to its name because this is not what she expected. It only brought back probably some total about maybe ten points, twelve points between six, you know, uh, six actors. So, it, you know, it, it's it's not. And actually, do not expect it to be in this week's call sheet either, or talent pool either, because it is gone. I'm I always I mean, get nervous with movies that open that small, they don't track throughout the weekend, that return such a small result. They might just disappear from movies, movie theaters altogether the following weekend. I have a movie question for you. You're the the, the smartest movie guy I know. Okay. Explain, explain to me this. Riddle me, me this, Batman. Why is it these Indian movies absolutely fucking crush over and over and over? We've seen it for like eight months now. It doesn't matter what Indian movie it is. It's like it always does pretty well. But, so Asian, I, but, but okay. these Asian movies that are always weekly, you know, in, our, uh, in the talent pool, always mm-hmm. suck and crash and burn and make no money. Well, what's up with that? Okay, so just going off the top of my dome without like a ton of professional exposure to this, I, I'm, I'm kind of picking up Ed, on fake this it, trend. Just fake it. Act like you're an expert. Don't, don't, <laughs> don't throw out there, I'm going to guess. Just say, you know what, Jay? This is exactly why. And then, no, don't qualify, right? Just, just go for it. All right. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm a Sean Spicer. Okay. Uh, yeah. So there's a billion people in India, number one. All right. Yeah. And they have a very developed uh, 
film industry. Um, not, I mean, it's probably outside of Hollywood. It's probably like the closest in the world to like a machine that cranks out movies that they readily support. And in doing a lot of like my social media and light research in in doing these talent pools, I come across you know a lot of just you know random stuff about this industry that shows it's really robust over there. So I think people over there, you know, either they have relatives or family or friends, whatever, over here, you know, help hype them up. And also what I have noticed, especially with um, there's a new there's a new movie in this in the talent pool this week called uh, Mary. Oh God, let me get let me see it so I can say it right. Uh, Mary, uh, why can't, where is it? Oh, there it is. Mary Piari Bindu, and it's doing like a day and date worldwide release. So I full stack. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, sadly, there's only five actors you know I could find for it. But yeah, full stack of very Piari Bindu because it's gonna come under the radar and it's going to shock the shit out of all of us. So, so basically, I'm just so basically, I would say the the fact that and, and if you look at like some of these other Asian films, I mean, you know, the markets are smaller. The South, it's they're very regionalized too. South Korea, you know, China. Well, China, if China, when China puts out a movie, those tend to do a little bit better. Than, say, yeah, South that Korea. makes sense. That makes sense. You know, there's like a billion always, people there too. So. They don't always support each other. So like. Yeah. We tend to think that an Asian movie is just an Asian movie, but like if it's a Japanese movie, it's right. might, might not. It's not going to get supported by the Chinese or the Koreans or whatever. As opposed to what you said about India, India is just one large landmass filled with fucking Indians. <laughs> it's a, it, they, they call it the subcontinent, right? Yes, yeah, absolutely. And yeah, you know, just like just like you know, there's more. You know, there's many different types of Latino. Technically, I'm Latino. I'm half Panamanian. So yeah, it's like you can't just say Asia film should do well because of X. I mean, I would. So this is actually a real good note for players of the game who you want to strategize in the future on those all too critical platform three F's, those foreign focused films. I mean, make sure we know the country of origin. Make sure we know if the country of origin generally, you know, has enough heat on it to support it overseas in the United States, you know, and it's kind of go from there. <laughs> well well yes. said Taylor from Billions. They there and them. <laughs> <laughs> that was nice. Yes, and let's and and you know I'm gonna sidetrack real briefly before we get into the talent pool for this week. Let's talk some billions, damn it! I'm All primed. Right. That shit was lit. I'm telling everybody, I'm ready to watch it two, three times again. That shit was awesome. It was a great way to end an epic, epic season. I hope it wins all the awards. I'm I'm part of Axe Cap. I'm ready to be under the wing of Taylor. And their prowess. I'm a, I'm a huge zigger when when people zag. I, I generally don't like to follow the crowd. That being said, this is like one of the few shows I can remember, like off the top of my head, that there's not one bad word being said about it. It's it's oh, almost man. unanimous how great this show is. And every year, one of the hardest things, and you're you're a writer. Uh, you know, a lot of guys that are in the in the cinema draft game and listen to the podcast are writers. One of the hardest things to do as a writer is tie something up and end a season while leaving, leaving it open-ended. Yes. It's just very hard. Um, you know, you look at all, like, the ends, the ends of seasons are get, get criticized, like, to no end. Two years in a row, they have absolutely nailed it. First season, Axe Capital gets physically taken down. Yes. <laughs> end of the second season, Axe Capital emotionally taken down. Yes. So and, Wise Man once tweeted that, yes. Yeah, it's just, it's genius. It's it's I mean I I mean it it's just I, I'm losing my words here because it was so excellent the writing is great and everything I mean like my my 
my tweet streams Sunday evenings are just like billions quotes, whatever. And, and to their credit, you know, Koppelman Levine, you know, they they follow social media. They all like, you know, certain ones, occasionally retweet you and stuff or interact. I mean, it's just it's just great. I mean, it's and I I think it's really it's type of type of show that especially once it hits the streaming services too, while it's down for like guess the next god twelve or ten months, nine months, or whatever until it comes back. Uh, it's the type of show that will pick up steam on the streaming services. People will kind of be discovering it like they did with uh, Breaking Bad, you know, when when they would be down mm-hmm. between seasons, and it will just kind of you know grow and grow. The writing was excellent. I mean, just you know, for any medium, quite honestly, the writing was excellent. It was layered. It was fun. It was insouciant. You know, I mean, yeah, it's all. What, what, what was that word again? Obsuciant? No, insouciant. Kind of like. Ins- yeah, kind of like off the cuff and like kind of irreverent, you know, just kind of yeah. It's, you know, like it was it. always kind of winking at you, you know. I loved, I loved that shit. So yeah, I really well, give me it. give me a couple highlights from the season. Like like give me like who was your favorite character? Who was your oh, I, I mean, Let's it's do a, an award season. Let's do I'm a cl- I'm a MVP. cliche. All right, MVP is Taylor, of course. I'm a cliche, but I just loved how they brought a hot button issue in society today. The whole you know gender identification. You're seeing it seep into a lot of different areas of society, but I thought they did it in a very smart, very effective way that felt natural to the world without like preaching you know a morality per se. You had to accept this, this person as their, as a person and and the, the the gender choice that they that they have. And so and, and but all, but beneath that. You know, Taylor was a very interesting character because, well, I relate to, to Taylor because I know a lot of these kind of, actually, let me find a picture of Taylor now talking, while I'm talking well, about. Well, the thing that. about the gender identity, well, yeah, he, I think he, they were making fun of it, if we're being honest. That's how I took it. I think they were just like, it's so fucking stupid. All this well, gender I, identification crap and genderless awards that they give out on MTV. The well, thing actually, that was great about Taylor was they actually took it very seriously, and that's why Taylor resonated with a lot of people. I, I like, I like on the in the the um, the DOJ side, yeah, they were kind of poking fun, but inside Axe Cap, they took Taylor totally serious. Well, but but that's my point. You didn't let me finish. My point was this: what they what they did do was show that Wall Street or almost everything in life is a meritocracy. She earned her keep. She wasn't just there as like some freak show gender identification person she went in there and absolutely kicked ass she was a fucking intern and then by the end of the season she was kicking so much ass you were rooting for her and she took over yeah and and i I, forgot about all that other crap around her you're just like that's a kick-ass chick killing it yeah, and 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 just and just so people aren't confused at, on the, especially on the podcast version, when I refer to Taylor, I refer to Taylor in their preferred pronouns. Because the first time we meet Taylor, Taylor walks into Axe Cap and uh, into uh, Bobby Axelrod's office, the head the head of the the, the hedge fund. Bob, says, Bob yeah. Axelrod. <laughs> My name is Taylor. My preferred pronouns are they, their, and them. <laughs> I did. She was Taylor. She she was awesome. My MVP was Wags. I couldn't wow. get it. Oh game. yeah, yo, yeah. That honestly, it, it could be one A and one A. I mean, absolutely, Wags is awesome too. Wags, 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 aka David Costabile, who had a career season. He just had like his arc was just so incredible. You know, this from like being lost in the in the beginning to coming back and kicking ass. He was like, taking mobile IV fluid. He was so fucked up. IVs, early. and then yeah, like crazy. you know the I mean the the fucking scene in the sushi restaurant was next level amazing. Just like, just so random and one off, and like he absolutely blew it out of the park. Awesome scene. Go, somebody go Google or YouTube it if you haven't seen it. Um, yeah. And then the scene, dude, where she finds him when Wendy Rhodes finds him, just Fox laying Fox. there, ass ass in the air with a fucking tattoo on his ass, naked. <laughs> God bless. I have no that idea guy. how that got there. <laughs> yeah. 
what wags every scene wags was in was just like electric it was electric so wags is my mvp least yeah, and, and, yeah and i tweeted to um or i tweeted to the billions of people whatever how far like david costabile has come as you know it just i mean i'm sure he's always had you know multitudes to him as an actor he's a good actor but how you know he was gale and freaking breaking bad squirrely you know mousy little gale the little scientist who got at who got whacked and now he's like just you know Kick, kicking ass, taking names, you know, Mike Wags Wagner, you know, who's getting like mobile IV fluid because he had, you know, he's entertaining clients at strip clubs all night. You know, it's it's just it's just funny to watch, you know, people, you know, actors you love in different roles, iconic roles even sometimes. You know, it, make it, it takes iconic. a lot of charisma to pull that role off. Like Absolutely. not just any, I mean, and he pulls it off like without fail, zero bumps in the road. Yeah. Kudos to that guy. Least value. the casting director, the casting director yeah. of Billions. I mean, no, let's, I mean that's where that's where a lot of these shows can be made. Is the casting? Who's the casting director of this thing? Because this thing is perfectly cast. I know you don't like you know you don't like Wendy or something, which I think is just wrong. I love I love Maggie Siff. She's excellent. she's growing. I like Maggie Siff. She's growing on me. Like I said, I, I just will always remember her. I can't get Sons of Anarchy out of my head. Oh uh, no, that was yeah, that was like. That, but that's a good segue into the least valuable player, which is almost unanimous. And I, I don't want to jump on the bandwagon. Okay. But everybody is just crying about how bad uh, Laura uh, Axelrod yeah, is. Yeah, Laura Ackerman. Ackerman. Yeah. I, I'm not going to No loyalty. That. Where's the loyalty? <laughs> I don't hate her as a character. I think she kicks ass in the show. I think she's fantastic. It, you know, I mean, I, I actually like what they did with her. I don't like, you know, the result because obviously we're pulling for, for Axe to be the guy, right? And, and to have his ride or die chick with him because she's yeah. been ride or die up to this point. But I mean, that's something about like relationships that you'd probably know better than I would because you're in one and been in a long standing one for a while is that once trust is gone, once trust is broken, it's yeah. kind of hard to get back. And you're so seeing she, it on I, both ends. You're seeing it with Chuck and with Bob Axelrod. Mm, I mean, the, the balance of career. And you know, just wanting to 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 push forward and succeed, and then balancing your relationship at home with kids. I mean, it's not tough. If the, if the, both these guys had these picture perfect relationships, it would be right. fucking so stupid. Yeah, and, so boring. The, the, and not realistic either. I mean, because that's the thing about people in in power. People like people who excel at anything, and people who get like great power or or fame or or celebrity, get or whatever. Get them, Spider Man. Get them. They Spider-Man. always have With great power, power comes great responsibility. It's not responsibility. It's that is that they usually have atypical lives. Like I actually had an interesting yeah. conversation with a friend of mine over the weekend, and she's kind of questioning like just all the extremes I was going to 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 keep cinema dra- to get cinema draft running and to keep it running. And I was like, look, what I'm going for, it, yes is outside the norm. I mean, people don't start, you know, start up gaming companies every day. And there's a reason for it because it's hard and you have to do a lot of different stuff. But you know, once you get to where you're trying to go or even beyond, it takes a certain type of mentality and these guys have it. And yes. that's why I really love Lara for him because it seemed like she had it. And it maybe she still does, but she was really shaken by like, just, I mean, it all it was, was was one lie. It was a pivotal lie, but it was one lie and that shook the whole foundation of the relationship. And that to me, I think is actually realer than anything else because relationships are, are, you know, good ones are built on trust. And it, you know, if that's really shaken, it's going to take a long time a, to come back. On a deeper level, I think what's so great about the, that is this though, the fact that the fact that Axe got to where he got by being unscrupulous and nefarious and like every other OUS word you can think of, mm-hmm. <laughs> but he was always true to his wife. And yes. all it took was this one little lie mm. to break the trust. To me, that tells me that Axe was a great husband to her for the entirety of their marriage. 
Yeah, well, as far as we can tell, he never cheated more. or anything. You know, he was just like straight arrow. Like you know, that one scene in Montreal last season, I think he was like, "Nah, I think I'm. I'd love to, but I think I'm good." Exactly. <laughs> you know? If their if their relationship was just like based on just you know lies and and, and deception, she would have just been like, "Whatever, do whatever the fuck you want," and the show would have gone on. I, I think it was a testament, an underlying testament to what a great husband and father Axe was to his kids, because we've never ever seen otherwise in these two seasons. Oh, and that scene where he said goodbye to the kids because he knows he's going to jail, and this oh man, that was that was great. That was a great little scene, only because it was it was seeing a side of acts we rarely see, but it's also like a parent being no bullshit with kids who are, you know, barely old enough to understand like you know the consequences of life. It was it was it was honest. I, I man, this season, I, dude. Meanwhile, Chuck Rhodes is out there wrestling with women in kung fu matches, <laughs> uh, getting fucking stilettos put on his chest by fucking random women. Discussing casual <laughs> pegging with Mary with Mary Louise Parker. That was exactly having all male orgies at his exclusive all men's club with a bunch of seventy year old dudes playing pool. I mean, he's a, he's a fucking deviant. Axe <laughs> is a saint compared to Chuck Rhodes. I'm Team Axe. I want Axe to crush Chuck Rhodes. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. That, that is our Billions hashtag cultural cul-de-sac. All right. So let's take a oh, And also, in this wrapping up this week's action, I like to take a call sheet from someone outside the norm that we usually focus on. And this week's, we will highlight our new player, Kiana. A friend of mine. Uh, glad to see she's finally able to get into the game. And I was really excited for her because through through uh, through Sunday, <clears throat> without having Bahu Bali update, it seemed like she was going to be third. And I was very, very excited for her. But, of course, once final scoring was in, and, and that's part of the excitement and also the misery of the game, is that your fortunes can change drastically from day to day as the estimates become actuals. And she did finish in the lower tier. But let's take a look at her call sheet and see what she can improve on. First of all, I do like all of those headliners. She has nine headli- uh, eight headliners, so she got that. She grasped that portion of the game. She has the Guardians of the Galaxy headliner, which is very smart. She even has How to Be a Latin Lover, which wasn't too bad either. Um, and where she loses, and Beauty and the Beast might be a little long in the tooth, but you're still getting some decent value with uh, those points, 7.13 and 5.09 points from two Beauty and the Beast actors. And where she kind of went off a little bit was Buster's Malheart, which drew flies, Going in style, which is, you know, albeit headliners, also drew flies. And then Battle of Memories, another foreign-focused film that we knew very little about, gave us very little in return. So, otherwise, you know, I think she did a pretty good college. What do you think about this beginner effort? It's one of the better beginner efforts we've seen. I mean, we've seen some absolutely horrific call sheets, people drafting. (laughs) Gee, nice. Sorry. You know, people from like E.T. and Back to the Future and movies that haven't been in theaters in 40 years. So (laughs) this is uh, this is pretty good. It's nice work by Kiana, man. Welcome to the club. And uh, join our group chat if you want. You know, make some side bets. Enjoy. Enjoy the dialogue. All right. And so, yes, let's take a look at this week's talent pool. um, And and, uh, this is last week. Uh, This week's talent pool. uh, We have eight. Count them. Eight. New movies coming out this weekend or are coming into the town pool this weekend. We had to replace some, get some new ones. Very excited. A lot of a lot of diversity. We we think Dead Awake will be limited. That looks like a bit of a horror movie. I'm guessing it's gonna be about 600 uh, screens. The Wedding Plan. That's a I think it's an Israeli film. So that one's also gonna be you know, on the lower end of platform. Not Jasmine, a big enough country, as we talked about earlier, geographically not a big enough country. <laughs> if you're gonna pick a foreign film. Make sure there's a lot of people living in that country. 
<laughs> or or that they have a very robust and active American you know counterpart in movie going culture. I don't know. And exactly, and actually piggybacking off that, Lowriders, which comes out on 275 screens to me, is my sleeper pick of the week. Only because, first of all, everyone loves cars. Everyone knows a little bit about the lowrider lifestyle, especially if you live in Southern California at any point stretch of time. It's got Demian Bashir, who's a huge Mexican star, Eva Longoria, who's a Mexican American uh, star, and it's 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 decently cast, and I think on 275 screens, you know, uh, playing mostly to uh, Latino and, and Hispanic households, I think, or households, not TV, uh, audiences, I think uh, I think it really has a, a decent shot. I, I kind of hedged on the pricing, uh, starting at 6500 going to 7300 but I think Lowriders is a good shot. What do you think of his prospects, Jay Devlin? Uh, I mean... <laughs> You could have said the same thing about Fast and the Furious 1 when it came out. It was kind of like a <laughs> counterculture thing that was happening that nobody knew about. People do love cars. I don't think Ava Longoria holds the same appeal that you know a young Paul Walker <laughs> with a big life holds. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I mean, I'm not well, going to go see it, but you never know. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm probably I'm probably not going to see it either, but I really think it's got breakout potential in the platform release category, especially if yeah. – if, if it's Bob, platform, Bob absolutely. If Bob yeah. Bali slows down, and I could honestly see, I mean, actually, what do we guesstimate was going to be for this weekend? Bob Bali, I guess, I guess it shed about another hundred screens, whatever. I mean, look, it still could be good for a, a million, a million and a half, whatever. But I mean, it got all its money that first weekend, which we didn't have in the talent pool, and for that, I'll forever kick myself. <laughs> but um, that because the scoring on that week would have been bananas. But uh, so Bob Bali is still is still viable in platform release uh, category. I think Lowriders, and I've seen, I think uh, at least one trailer for it. Um, I think it's got some breakout potential. How to be a Latin lover? Uh, that's price been reduced because you know we're going to see some shedding of screens uh, this week as well. Estimate of 900 screens. Um, oh, but let's talk about some of the new films. That's right. Uh, Jasmine. <clears throat> this is this also is another 3F. I believe it's Korean in in origin. Um, it's been out for a while in the festival circuit too. So Wait, are we, are we much out of it. at North Korean or South Korean? <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure it's South Korean. Okay, I, don't think North, gonna... I don't think North Koreans have a robust outside. <laughs> you, you just want to cross the T's, dot the I's, man. Want to make sure we're, uh, you know, putting out the good info. Man, if it was North Korea, that'd be something. <laughs> that would be something. Uh, King Arthur, yes, and I saw King Arthur uh, on a on a. Um, it's because I guess I'm such an avid uh, fan of the Galaxy Theaters in near North Las Vegas with the with the box seats. I got an invite to a special free screening. I went last night, took a friend. We enjoyed the hell out of it. It's very fun and, ex- and exciting. I would give it three out of four reels only because it gets a little too overly CGI at the end. But it's a lot of fun, a lot of action. Charlie, Hunnam season! We are in Hunnam season, damn it. He is charismatic, cocky. Flirty, arrogant. I mean, it, it's great. It's, great head of hair. I mean, yeah. you know, how, you know how I feel about a great head of hair. That's I mean. right. A leading, leading man's worthy head of hair. He's. Uh, it's. It's all you could hope for, uh, for the most part. It's a little too much on the CGI. Oh, and it's got Jude Law, the young pope. Love the young pope acting. I mean, he didn't even change an expression from his young pope performance to this performance. The same guy. Same guy. Can't Lord Vortem, Vortigan or whatever. And young pope. Same guy. Casual arrogance, aloof, you know, sneering down at the public. I love it. It's so awesome. So basically, just Jude Law in real life is what. Oh, he's... shots fired! Shots hey, fired. hey Jude Law is an all-time stick man. So props <laughs> and respect to Jude Law. All right. 
he he does get his work in. All right. <laughs> then uh, in one other movie, um, and then also the Indian movie, Mary Piari Bindu, as we mentioned earlier, it should be big hit. And this one, the, and the biggest puzzle of the weekend is snatched. Is that uh, like is, is that like Taken Four? Like they weren't taken, they were snatched. It was. <laughs> I don't understand. By the way, Taken the TV show, not a bad series, not a bad series. Okay. Just ended its first season of ten episodes. Uh, no, but Snatched is actually the Amy Schumer Goldie Hawn comedy. This is and on paper it sounds great. I've heard early rumblings uh, in the group chat from Ringballs, who whose inside edge is that he works in the movie theater. You know, get get your edge when you can. Uh, said that you know it didn't seem like it was going to be wasn't playing very well. I've heard mixed reviews. It'll be interesting to see. I mean, I I priced it accordingly. <clears throat> you know, kind of middle of the road. Uh, just but with the pedigree of Paul Feig or Feig or whatever the guy, same guy behind the Heat, and and other uh, uh, female-centric comedies, uh, I, I like his track record. I think it's going to do well, but I can't call it right now. I'm waiting for Box Office Pro to come out on Wednesday with their tracking wisdom to lead the way. You couldn't pay me five thousand dollars to go see anything involving Amy Schumer. Ooh, that's ouch. my that's my take. That is my take. I, I, a, I find her incredibly unattractive, which is not a great place to start. But I can overlook unattractiveness if you have a great deal of talent, which she does not possess either. I totally disagree. And then <laughs> combine that with her idiotic like ideologies and feelings on the world, and then I am just – that's the trifecta of I'm out. I hope this movie bombs. I hope she's working at a Dairy Queen in <laughs> Davenport, Iowa by mid-July. End of story. I personally love Amy Schumer. I think she's yeah, she's 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 average hot, medium hot, whatever. Not that that matters, but if we're going on the trackness, I think she's she okay. and dude, I think she's on. very talented. I love her inside Amy Schumer. I season pass the show when it's on. Not sure when it's coming back because she's a movie star now. But you know, I I wish her all all the success in the world. I just don't know if it'll be on my call sheet. We'll have to see how things shake out. And I generally tend not to come to a concrete strategy until Thursday evening anyway. So what do I know? So, so, you, so you want like the new Charlie's Angels to have like Amy Schumer, Lena Dunham, and uh, who's the Will and Grace girl? What's her uh, name? Deborah Messing? Deborah Messing. Is that your ideal Charlie's Angels? Well, no, that, that's not my ideal Charlie's Angels, but like, it'd, it might be funny. It'd be funny as hell. It would be It'd, it'd be funny. No. I'll say that much. It would That's be funny. Will and Grace is funny. Will and Grace is funny. Don't hate. If I watch that uh, movie on mute with a bottle of Wild Turkey One Fifty One IV in my arm, I would probably find it very, very funny. Okay, we're keeping moving. And the and <laughs> uh, and the wall, which we only have about four credit actors. And, and mind you, for those who go to the talent pool in the next couple hours, uh, from when this we'll probably end up posting, we may have a few actors missing. I'll be adding those hopefully overnight, uh, manually. Sometimes the system catches them, sometimes it doesn't. Uh, the wall actually looks interesting. I want to see it. It's directed by Doug Lyman. It's um, it's uh, basically it might as well be a play. It might have been based off a play for all I know. But the wall has uh. Uh, John Cena and Aaron Taylor Johnson, they're pinned down in like Afghanistan or something, trapped by a lethal sniper, and and the sniper's like on the radio taunting them. And so it sounds like a real oh, big love it. fuck. I mean, that, and D- Doug Lyman, man, I mean, he's, so it's, it's kind of like the phone booth with Kiefer Sutherland, where yeah. Colin Farrell is trapped in a spot being tortured by a sniper. Was Kiefer Sutherland the, the villain? I totally forgot who the villain was. I always remember Colin Farrell. I never remember Kiefer Sutherland. It was, oh, it, was, awesome. it was supposed to be Ron Eldard. And then 24 popped real hard, and they mm-hmm. replaced Eld- Eldard with Kiefer. Oh, wow. And Kiefer yeah, killed it. 
Yeah, that, that interesting. Wow, so I saw his phone booth. I saw that in the theater like ages ago. Same uh, kind of premise, though. Like guys are trapped somewhere trapped, and they're, they're yep. being tortured by a sniper. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and so so that that's so that those are our new releases weekend. We'll just go into a little more in depth during our recording, which I will be doing later on tonight with a special guest from my uh, from from my. Uh, say i guess my college days whatever college post-college whatever uh we'll be going into that in the shot list later on tonight and and okay, yeah can I, bring, can I bring up one question since Please. i said we're gonna get weird okay let's and go. i'm going crazy i gotta ask you since this is a movie podcast and we're talking about movies what did you think about the uh the emma emma what's her name emma the, the chick from beauty and the beast Oh, Emma Watson. Emma yes. Watson winning a, a genderless or whatever they called it on the MTV Movie Awards. What you, would you think about that? What was your take? I think uh, I think know your audience, and MTV knows its audience. MTV Movie Awards is always pandered to to younger people. I mean, they pandered to us when we were younger, and they just kind of keep they 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 will never. It's it's why it's why you never see anyone over thirty generally on the real world. It's just that's what they that's what they do. So so for millennials and uh, sub millennials, whatever you know, the, the generation sub millennials. Oh my god, <laughs> whatever generation you know, AA, whatever you want to call. It. I don't know. Um, I mean. It's, what was your uh, personal takeaway? Like, like, what did you think? As a, you know, you've watched the award ceremony. Well, well I mean, but we, I mean, well, I mean, you, this is going to start happening. Well, I don't know if it's, I, I, I mean, I doubt we'll see this in the Oscars. It's just too much tradition and and whatever. I honestly think it's cool. I think it's cool because why? It, why is why? it cool? Well, well, first of all, I mean, if we're going to you know talk you know or delve you know even a little bit into politics i am obviously this is not political but i'm saying the the, the thing behind it, it it's it's cultural which sometimes bleeds into political but as a quote-unquote bleeding heart liberal from Pacific northwest whatever you know i mean i i mean anything that allows people to feel more included in society or to feel like they have more respect whatever i'm all for and so if the mtv awards if they felt they would be more inclusive you know by making their awards generalists then fine so it's to me you know what it's like? Let me tell you something. It's like in poker, right? I triggered you. I love it's, it. It's, no, it's like in poker. Seriously, there's no there there are no barriers or restrictions to entry in poker outside a little bit of money, and and even that, it's like if you're good, you can grind that up. If you're, if, it doesn't matter what's between. It all all that matters is what's between your ears. You don't have to have be six meritocracy. Six, like I said earlier in the show. The meritocracy, right. Yeah. So if you're good, no matter what your nationality or gender, or whatever, you will somewhat get recognized. And I and I'm pretty sure when they do the poker awards and stuff, and there's no like big, you know, one dominating, you know, organization that does it, but all the poker awards, they do it by, you know, they, they don't I mean they generally do it by poker player. So it's okay. uh, it's, okay. it's well, let me ask you a question then. How many women have won poker player of the year awards, Ed? Nah. Zero, I'm guessing. Now, I mean, I'm pretty sure Vanessa well, Phelps won something. I mean, she's but poke like we're talking about best actor, or best. My point is this: right. if you're trying to be inclusive and and make people feel better, or whatever, you by having awards like that, you've just cut out half of the awards. So less people are going to win awards. There's more male actors than women actors. You're in essence creating more inequality by doing something like this. They I, they no, or or you're saying that mathematically, mathematically <laughs> more men are going to win this award than women you're, are. You're, you're absolutely not creating more inequality. That's that's that's. Oh, but I but I, as, far, as far as creating less awards, sure, you're probably. I mean, if you do well, everything, shows are stupid anyway. But well, yeah, they are stupid. They are definitely stupid. But if you're creating less awards, then yes, that that you're creating you're creating less awards by math. You're absolutely right. But as, as far but as far as if you just want to get to a point where you're just comparing performances across the divide, I'm 
forward. It's different. It's interesting. It's got us talking about it, you know, unexpectedly. So I'm, I'm here for it. Yeah, it's not well, bad. Unexpectedly is the best way to talk about things. When you can't be prepared <laughs> for your responses, you're going to get a more, a less measured response, which is what I'm always searching for. I want to know what's on the and, tip and, and, of everybody's lobe. Like, and that's why you're good out? at what you do. You and your Mostly Sports podcast. Go ahead, p- plug your ish as we bring this in for landing. The huge Mostly Sports, Mondays 12 to 2, UBN Radio, iHeartRadio. Uh, visit our uh, Twitter page at Mostly Sport. Go to the t- basketballtournament.com. Vote for Mostly Sports on that. We're playing in a $2 million basketball tournament in July yes. in Las Vegas. I voted. We- we will be on ESPN. We will be the oldest team in the tournament. And I promise to, if I don't score 20 or 25, I promise to at least take 25 shots. Or after the game, take me out to a court and score 25 right in my grill. <laughs> if we're, since we're playing in Vegas, I'm going straight, straight to the blackjack table in my uniform. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That is awesome. I like to give a shout out uh, on my way out to Jane the Pain. Jane, Jane the Pain Miller, my Pilates instructor. She is now a new listener to the podcast. I'm shouting her out. Welcome. I will also shout you out this evening when we record the hour long. I appreciate you listening and announcing it to the class this morning. That was kind of cool because we had, what, maybe 30 women and two guys. And I am definitely after the the female demographics, women come play our game. We love you all. We'd like to see more women playing daily fantasy, anything. So, and that's pretty much it for the podcast today. It made some interesting cultural cul-de-sacs. Hope you enjoyed it. Uh, definitely tell all your friends to go to cinemadraft.co. That is cinemadraft.co to sign up for free. We have these free rolls every week, uh, 200 and, $60, I think, all in. Each week, we also give a $25 bonus to the top-scoring call sheet. That is not mine. Beat my sheet. Also, subscribe on YouTube or also, if you want to watch us, and also iTunes, SoundCloud, wherever you get your great podcasts. And, of course, until the next podcast, so we're here again, go see a movie or something.